This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Invested. I'm Danielle Town. I hope you're having such a good summer. We are traveling all over the place. And so we're going to be back next week with a new episode. This week, we want to play this such a fun episode from The Vault from very early days. This is episode number 16, when we talked about this fantastic company that I'm sure you guys have heard of at this point, Justin's Nut Butter, a Boulder local created this fantastic peanut butter, almond butter, etc. And ended up, after this episode, ended up selling to Hormel, the huge food company, and had a fantastic exit. So listen to this after we've been going on two episodes about Tesla. Listen to this analysis of a completely different kind of company that ended up being very successful. And we will see you next week. Enjoy. Hi everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And we're we're talking about investing rule number one style. Rule number one comes from Warren Buffett who said there's two rules of investing. Rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. So <laughs> we're going to talk about all of those things on this podcast, how we don't lose money and focus on that rule. And um, we're going to dive in today on what, Danielle Marie? What are we talking about? You know, I would like to talk about this company that I saw in the grocery store the other day. Um, probably most people have heard of it. It's called Justin's Nut Butter. And I was standing in the checkout line at Whole Foods and I, they have... I haven't heard of it. Are you serious? I'm positively serious. Well, then you just haven't noticed because I have given you Justin's products before. You have? Because, yeah, because they make these amazing dark chocolate basically Reese's peanut butter cups, but with dark chocolate and really good peanut butter. And they have them in the checkout line at Whole Foods. And I find it so difficult to resist. And as I've said before on here, I stopped eating sweets in January. And honestly, those peanut butter cups are some of the hardest things to avoid. Well, this is great. I do not want you to introduce me to Justin's peanut butter cups because I'm so paleo, rocking the paleo diet. I know. But here's the I'm, deal with I'm Justin. I'm off of sugar, man. I'm, ba- I'm, I'm like, sugar's evil. I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm trying to stay away. It's hard, though. I have a little maple syrup in my morning tea, and that's, I decided, okay. So <clears throat> Justin's is a company that actually is in Boulder, Colorado. So it's a local Boulder company, has done incredibly well. And the reason they've done incredibly well is actually not because of their amazing peanut butter cups, although... I think that's probably a part of it at this point. But they started out as a guy named Justin, who's very nice, um, started making his own nut butter in his kitchen. I think the story goes that he was like a big hiker or did some kind of like big outdoor kind of sports. And he wanted to just have his own nut butter so that he could have good fuel um, for going out all day in the mountains. And he started this company. He thought his nut butters were really good and it didn't really go well because, and I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but this is the story I've heard. Um, You know, there's a lot of nut butters out there and it's like, who cares? I'm gonna buy whatever, my normal peanut butter, my normal almond butter, or go get them in the bulk section at Whole Foods. 
Um, you know, why do I need to buy your nut butter? And then he started putting them in these little individual packets, which nobody had ever done before. And he did that so that he and his friends could take it with them in the mountains, have an easy source of good protein that's going to last them all day and just um, and not have to deal with like putting it in a bag or making a sandwich. And so these little packets, and if you go on their website, you can see the pictures of them, just took off in a massive way. And they also made um, different combinations. Like they have like a, I think it's an almond butter and chocolate well, oh, or yeah. hazelnut. Do they have just like an almond butter? Because, you know, the peanut thing, I'm not positive, but no, I they have had a reaction to peanuts. They have multiple different nuts. Yeah. Okay. That's good. why it's nut butter. Multiple different kinds of nuts. Because I totally like the idea of small packets. That's really that's, clever. I remember now you gave me some. And that is what has made Justin's Justin's. And so they've gone, oh, maple almond butter. That one is so good. I used to eat it. I used to keep it at work. Well, they're amazing because you can keep them at work, you know. Okay, so not all of us are out in the mountains all day, unfortunately. <laughs> Some of us have to sit at a desk and, um, and, you know, practice law all day long, which is, you know, fun in its own way. And so I would keep the almond and maple one and have that on an apple. And I started to look forward to that every single afternoon. It was like my favorite snack. And now I have to stop because I, long story, went off nuts. No, no, I'm completely into your story about your apple and the whole thing. Because I got onto like, I don't even remember what kind of nut butter it is, but Melissa got it. And it's really good, like an almond butter that's super good. And um, we started putting it on apples, and that became my, I'm taking, I'm, I'm breaking off of sugar. And that's how I did it. I did it with, with almond butter, and with, um, with apples, and it was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, because nut butters are like a slow burning protein, so you stay full longer. Um, they're great. The they're only like, thing is with the peanuts is like we had. I have a doctor friend of mine named Alan. Rothstein, who rides with us out here. Um, and he came over to stay overnight and then we're gonna ride the next morning. <clears throat> and we had um, we had a pretzel that was in a jar that we hadn't really paid any attention to or we you know, just picked it up at the store as a little snack thing. This is before the paleo diet started. And this little pretzel, it turned out, had peanut coating on it or something. It was like a peanut pretzel peanut butter on a pretzel thing. We didn't think anything about it. Anyway, Alan grabbed some or some pretzels and they didn't really label it super peanut butter or anything. And it turns out he's like completely allergic to peanuts. Oh, and no. the guy nearly died in our kitchen. Oh my God. Oh my God, I had to put him in a car. Like the ambulance could not get there fast enough. And he's a doctor and he knew he had this problem. He gave himself an EpiPen. Oh, and he, he was, just didn't know that there were peanuts on it? I didn't know. And he said, you got to get me to a hospital right now or yeah, I could I mean, die. So many people have nut allergies now. And obviously that's a huge topic, especially with kids. Oh um, man, it was so scary. Allergies. I put him in the car and we drove. I just put the flashers on. He said, you have to get me there. And he started to lose it and lose it. And he was like passing out. And it's 20 minutes to the hospital. And we just made it. I mean, I got him out of the car into a wheelchair and he passed out in the wheelchair. His blood pressure dropped and they put him into ICU immediately and they saved his life. That stuff is wicked. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, so that's, I'm glad he's okay. Yeah, me too. Anyway. Well, lots of people don't have peanut butter allergies, obviously, because Justin, Justin's is doing really well. They also have <laughs> almond butter <laughs> Fair enough. for people who have peanut allergies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so I was standing in the checkout line yesterday you know, staring at the peanut butter cups, wishing I could have one. 
literally that's what I do while I check out. I stare at them and I say to myself, I'm not going to eat it today. One day at a time, and I'm not going to eat it today. Um, and then I thought, oh my gosh, I should look Justin's up. I know it's private. And the reason I know that is just because I live in Boulder and I, you know, it's like a, it's a well-known company around here. So I just have that sort of general knowledge about it. But if I didn't know that, if I didn't live in Boulder and didn't know anything about Justin's, I would want to know, are these owned, is this company owned by some enormous food conglomerate that I could possibly invest in? Wow. So I started thinking about that and thought, okay, um, I know the podcast before last, you mentioned that there were some cool things you could do on a broker site to do research. And we didn't really get to that in the last podcast. So can we talk about that today, about how to do research into products or companies that we just find as we're going about our lives and we like? Yeah, because I think, you know, finding products as we're going around uh, about our lives is a, is a really tried and true way to come on to things that are pretty cool, particularly if you're looking for new emerging companies um, as part of your portfolio. And just as an aside, we haven't actually talked about this either, which is how to structure a portfolio properly to do rule one style investing. <clears throat> you know, how much should you be buying of any one company in your portfolio? And um, we often talk about rule one investing as being, you know, taking the blue pill in the matrix and you're suddenly in an entirely different reality um, that you thought you were in. And one of the aspects of that is that rule one investing um, definitely violates most of what the, the rest of the world thinks is important about investing. So the rest of the world thinks it's really important that you diversify across lots and lots of companies um, so that you don't have a lot of risk in any one company that you purchase. But Warren Buffett is emphatic that, you know, diversification is for investors who are ignorant and it, it isn't useful to you if you know what you're doing. So Buffett does not diversify. Charlie Munger doesn't diversify. Einhorn doesn't. You know, it's like within a certain range, there is a little diversification, but they don't worry about being loaded up in one industry or about only having a few stocks. Um, Manesh Prabhai is one of the best investors in the world as far as rule one investing goes. I mean, we're talking 34% a year rate of return for well over a decade, including the last decade, which is really amazing. Manesh has like four stocks. And Lou Simpson, who ran Geico Fund for Warren Buffett, uh, was running $2 billion and he had eight stocks. So Four and eight? Yeah, four stocks, eight stocks. Warren Buffett has about 70% of his $120 billion of invested capital in um, under 10 stocks, and about 67% of it is in four. So, you know, the, the best guys in the world really focus intensely on a few great companies that they really understand. So and so down there, if I wanted to own only <clears throat> one company, would that be okay under rule one? Or should it's, <clears throat> it's three or four, the magic number is, is eight better than four? What's the uh, thinking on exactly, you know, how, how, how undiversified should you be? Well, you should realize that there is no such thing as certainty in the real world, although we attempt it and we understand, <clears throat> excuse me, we understand that if we bought a $10 bill for $5, we'd have as near to certainty as we could get. And so what, what Buffett says and what Charlie, Charlie Munger says is that if you buy a wonderful business and you buy it at a really fair price, you're buying it effectively on sale or the price of the company if it was a private company, you're buying it at a super cheap price, 
then you're certain to make money. You just don't know when. And whenever Warren is asked about companies that he, he's just recently bought, like if he goes on CNBC and they talk to him about a recent purchase, he pretty much always says the same thing. And that is that, well, you know, we bought it because we think it'll be worth more in 10 years than it is now. In other words, they, they have a high degree of certainty that this company is going to make money. They just don't know necessarily how much or when. Okay, so that's the beginning point. <clears throat> so it's sort of like the answer to that question is, um, how certain are you that you've bought a really wonderful business that's going to be around a long, long time and that you got it, that you really understood the value of the business? Because then you'll know if you bought it on sale. So if you bought a wonderful business and you bought it well below its value, then in the real world, you're as close to certainty as you can get, which points out something really amazing. If you were to buy a $10 bill for $5, or in other words, a $10 stock for $5, then it, and then in within two or three years, it goes back up to where it should be as market fluctuates, then you would have doubled your money in two or three years, which would give you somewhere between a 26 and a 38% rate of return for the two or three years that you own this company. So think about it. If you bought a $10 bill for $5 and then three years later, you could sell it for $10, First off, what's your level of risk compared to just diversifying across a whole mess of stocks? And the answer is pretty darn low, right? You, you're, in other words, you've got a really great company and you bought it really cheap. So you don't have very much risk. You went to a well, garage sale. Yeah, that's where I get a little nervous because you have to have incredible confidence in your own research and your own decision in purchasing that company in it's, order to say there's little to no risk. Yeah, you're right. You, you do have to have that level of confidence. Um, and that level of confidence actually comes with time. I mean, you just have to start and you begin. What we do is we focus everybody on what we call your canyon. And we say, look, we want to start you off with a, with a very narrow area of companies that you really are willing to learn about. Um, things that are, you're passionate about or you're interested in or you're talented at or you're making money or you're in this case with this peanut butter, you're spending your money there and you really like the product. So we say, look, get an inch wide, but go a mile deep. OK, so you're, the idea is you're going to get very deep on this company. You're going to really understand this company so well that you would understand it the way the business owner would understand it. Like if you own the whole company, you would understand it. You don't have to understand it perfectly. You don't have to be a genius at marketing, right? You don't have to know how to run it per, per, per se, <clears throat> but you got to understand it well enough to know that the guys who are running it are doing a good job. It's on that level. So just think about it like, <clears throat> excuse me, just think about it like you needed to understand the McDonald's franchise well enough, right, to be able to invest in one or the Subway franchise or or setting up your own little company, your own little bead making, peanut butter making company. You got to understand it well enough to be able to at least, you know, invest in a, in a little company that you like. Yeah. And I think that can be difficult to do without being there every day, being part of that company and without talking to anybody in that company. I mean, as, as arm's length investors, we are getting our information from an arm's length source. You know, we're getting it from third parties who are writing about this company. We're getting it from financial numbers and extrapolating ideas and 
uh, and a viewpoint of that company from those numbers. So I think that our research has to be spot on in order to make up for that arm's length deficit. What do you think? I'm I'm thinking that you're right. I'm thinking that there's there's a certain amount of research that you have to do that that uh, John Templeton, who's a very great investor, built the Templeton funds and and was one of the guys that Warren Buffett said he really learned a lot from. Um, said that you know using scuttlebutt is a really good thing. In other words, talking to people about the company. <clears throat> but the cool thing is that the internet has replaced an awful lot of what investors like Templeton and Buffett used to do by having connections and networking and being in the business for 30 years and knowing everybody that could gather this data. But now that data is on the internet. And because of Sarbanes-Oxley, um, it's required that the CEOs of public companies distribute the information equitably. They have to put out the information about their company to everybody all at the same time. They can't just sort of let it sneak out there as a rumor anymore uh, to their best friends, you know, like, hey, you know, we're doing really good, you ought to invest. And then they announce the next day why they're doing really good. So they have to produce that information in an equitable way uh, to everybody and or they'll go to jail. So Sarbanes-Oxley really put some teeth into that. And that's very, very helpful for the small investor. So now a number of really good investors that I like a lot um, don't really like to talk to the people in the company, not to the CEO anyway, not to the officers. Why is that? Uh, because they know those guys are great sales guys. <laughs> <laughs> they know they're going to sell you, right? I mean, that's how they got to the top is they're really good at people and they're really good at, at uh, hyping up the company. So the, the, what's the point of talking to these guys? They've already put everything about that company, both good and bad, that they could think of and that their lawyers could think of into the annual report, which is called the 10K, and which is filed with the SEC. And then the, the chairman or the uh, CEO and the CFO, the chief financial officer and the chief executive officer, have to sign off on that document and mm -hmm. say that this represents the truth about this company. You know, and they mean it like, hey, not just the literal truth, but also, you know, sort of the spiritual truth of the company, you know. Like, like if you're hiding something, that's just as bad as disclosing something that's wrong or untrue. So they now have to really lay it out there in that. In fact, that's you, you've worked on some of these, haven't you? On, or have you done any of the IPO stuff? No, I don't work with publicly traded companies. I, I like little private startups. Well, I'll tell you, man, that's a, that's, that's a field that some lawyers just focus on. And yeah, they, they do. Exactly. Yep. And they put those things out. And so, you know, the lawyer's job is to make sure that the CEO has actually disclosed everything you could possibly disclose. And in fact, there's an entire risk section in the 10K that that usually leads off the, the document. You know, you see the table of contents and risk is right at the top of it. And it's all in type, you know, capital letters, which makes it stupidly difficult to read, which is kind of funny because then that means nobody reads it. So it's all caps and it's all of the disclosure that you could possibly have about all the bad things that could happen to this company. Do you know why those are in all caps? No. It's because there's a court case, there's a, a decision saying that those sections are so important that they have to be set off from the rest of the document. And the only way that you can set off text from the rest of a document without worrying about formatting issues is by putting it in all caps because that's not going to change regardless of what kind of computer you're looking at, 
or how it's printed. Whereas something in italics or underlined, that might go away because that's just formatting. So that's why they're in all caps. It's really? The only figure out to do it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I had no idea. No, and you're right that the end result is that everyone just skips over that part because it's difficult to read something in all caps. It's I not a good no solution. Idea. It's a terrible solution. Mm -hmm. Terrible solution. So yeah. unintended consequences. Yeah, unintended consequences of, of, of the regulators. So um, all of that stuff though is in the 10K. And and as a result, many good investors that I know avoid talking to the executives of the company. And instead, if they want to gather in some scuttlebutt, they go down and talk to people who work there, you know, or talk to people who are buying the product, right? Stuff like that. And they'll talk to their competitors. Usually the competitors are very interested in telling you all the bad things about their competition so that you can talk to them. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. And I think maybe that's part of, um, we haven't talked that much about your Canyon research. We should talk about that coming up. But um, that's what I expect you get from going really deeply in your research into a whole industry, is that you see the differences between similar companies and then you can have a better sense of what's going on with one particular company in relationship to the rest of the industry. Yep, and that's, that's deep into it, um, that you that you're going to research not just this company, but that's doing Justin's peanut butter, but but everybody who's doing peanut butter, um, who's competing in that industry. And um, and that's going to be a little difficult because there's very few pure peanut butter plays, as they say in the Wall Street jargon. You know, I just want to invest in peanut butter, but you can't because, you know, it's owned by some conglomerate that has 50,000 different products. Exactly. I'd be surprised if there's any peanut butter company that's public. Yeah. So what do you like about this peanut butter thing? What, what is it that is unique to these guys besides, let's say, the taste? What other things do you like about them? Well, it's really it's the packets that make Justin's what it is. I mean, it's a very good nut butter, but it's the packets that make it very easy to take it with you, have them wherever you are. And I think other peanut butter companies are now starting to copy. Oh, yeah. They're going to jump all over that stuff. Um, but I would say I'm going to guess there's other things, too. I'm thinking that the world of peanut butter is going to be broken up into sort of the natural slash organic peanut butters. Oh, I just assumed that part. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm not sorry, these companies, but I'm not buying Skippy or Jif. I'm OK, there we go. So now the world natural, of peanut butter. organic, straight from the peanuts, if possible. Kind of peanut yeah, butter. so that's really important to you. Actually, right? now I'm eating sunflower butter since S I'm off nuts. Is that any good? It's not excellent, <laughs> but it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really quite funny. It just sort of sucks, but I'll eat it. No, it's not that bad. It's not, it's not bad. I, I mean, I'm not going to eat something I dislike. Just don't make it better by pouring in maple syrup. That's not, right. gonna, that's yeah, not the way to do it. It's not a bad solution. I should so, try that. So I would say that you begin with you begin with the stuff that you really are buying and that you really like. So you you're down there just sucking down Justin's nut butter, and then you look at and, and then you look it up online and you say, okay, Justin's, and you go, here's how you do it. I would go to Google, which I'm going to right now. How do you spell Justin? J U S T I N. Uh huh. Okay, I got Justin Bieber. I got Justin Timberlake. I gotta put in Justin Justin's nut butter because there are way too many famous Justins. Okay, I got Justin nut butter. So that's exactly how you do it. You just put in that into Google. And if you don't know Google, then you're gonna have to learn about Google. So just <laughs> figure it out. All right, so now we got Justin's Nut Butter. And what comes up is their website, justins.com. So now I'm gonna go into justins.com. Now, I've found Justin's, 
nutbutter.com, Justin's.com. So when you see, a, a, let's say, a product that you like and you're interested in and you think, oh, maybe this is something I should look up, the first thing you do is go to that company's website? Yep, go to that company's website. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for investor relations. That's key. Those words are investor relations. Because if they're a public company, they are going to have an investor relations tab somewhere on that website. Okay, now I'm looking and I see products, where to buy, recipes about us. Okay, I don't see anything that says investor relations. So now I'm looking down here and that's on the top tabs. And then I'm scrolling down to the bottom of the, of the page and I see media relations, um, wholesaler information, privacy policy, fact, policy, facts, and contact. I don't see anything in any of their menus that say investor relations. That leads me to believe they're probably a private company. Now, just to be sure, I'm gonna go back to Google. I'm gonna go Justin's and I'm gonna put it in just the way they say their name. So it's Justin's apostrophe S and then I'm gonna put in investor relations hmm. and I'm gonna Google that and I'm getting nothing. Okay, I got investor relations for Calvin Jeans. I've got a few people, but I have nothing for Justin's investor relations. So now I'm almost positive this is a private company. So I'm going back to Justin's now that I've verified that they're a pretty much a private company. Hold on, I ended up on Justin's almond butter. Justin's nut butter. Okay. Yeah, if you go to About Us, which is where I would also look for investor relations, they give the, uh, the starting up story. Oh, yeah, there we go. Company story, product evolution, Justin's story. Oh, he's cutie. Looks like he's a happy guy. So you got the about us story. He started making nut butter in his kitchen and now has a massively successful company. I'll tell you what, that's a pretty big step from a guy oh, who's massive. Can you imagine? He's a boulder hippie and he's sitting there like crunching nut butter in a grinder and suddenly he's running a very successful company. So there's something more going on with Justin than just being chilled out. Definitely an interesting entrepreneur. I love it when people build this kind of stuff and move the world another step toward a better world, which, hey, nut butter packets would be awesome for climbers, right? Exactly. Oh my gosh. Climbers, absolutely. hikers, skiers, snowboarders, anybody you know heading out all day and needing with them that doesn't need to be refrigerated and that isn't going to leak all over your backpack. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, seriously, I would buy up this stuff. So that's really good stuff. All right, so they're not they're not public. So that means it's going to be difficult. So are we just done? They're not public. We're done. No, we're not done. Now we're going to say, okay, who do they compete with? Like, what are, who are the competitors in the, in the butter, in the nut butter world? So I'm going to go nut butter onto Google <clears throat> and I see nut butter Wikipedia. Nut butter is a spreadable food stuff. What is nut butter fitness magazine? Best and worst nut butters. Okay, well, hey, let's go to the best and worst nut butters here. And now I'm in an article about nut butters um, on what magazine is this? This is Everyday Health, the best and worst nut butters that you can, you can have. And I'm gonna dig in that uh, that article, and if I can dig into it. Okay, there we go, page one of 12. So the best, once again, 
almond butter. Once again, almond butter. So now I'm going to write that down. Once that's again, the name of a product. Once again, almond butter. That's the name of a product. And let's just go to work on that one. Okay, the once again, almond butter. So I'm going to open another page <clears throat> here and I'm going to put in the once, was it once again? I think that's what you said. Once again, nut butter. All right, once again, nut butter. And now I'm going to put in, once I've got once again, nut butter, and it comes up with a website. And now I'm going to put in investor relations and say go. Uh, once again, once again, I'm not seeing it. So I'm going back to their website. Now I'm on their once again website and I'm looking for the company information, history, employee ownership, awards. Okay. They're not public either. All right. Would you fine. go through each individual company that you find like that? Sure. I mean, look, that just took me about 20 seconds. True. I mean, True. listen, this used to take weeks to do back in, in, in 1980 when I started. Gosh, yeah. Weeks. I mean, you you just got to find out whether the company's public or not is like a thing, you know? And so here's uh, another one called the Artisana Organic Wal Walnut Butter. And you just go down this list. And I'm going to go through it really quick um, to see if any of them jump out at me as being owned by a public company. I am healthy. Um, let's see what else. I got Smuckers. Hmm. Smuckers is such a big name. I'm thinking. I let's go see. Or they're owned by somebody who is. Does Smuckers, or is, that, is that list saying that Smuckers has a natural and organic Oh, yeah. Interesting. This is a bigger area than I expected. Okay, there we go. Now we're on the JM Smucker Company. I put in Smucker's Investor Relations. And what comes up is jmsmucker.com Investor Relations. This is a public company. Now I got to make sure it's the one that's making this stuff, right? Because companies can have the same name. Oh, indeed, this is the right Smucker's. And now I've got myself a public company that is actually producing stuff like one nice organic nut butter, but they also produce Jif. They produce strawberry jam, Folgers uh, coffee. Um, they've got they got a lot of crap. They got they got pop ups. <laughs> <laughs> they got they got Robin Hood all purpose flour, Dunkin' Donuts uh, stuff. Wow! So Smuckers is a pretty diversified little company. So okay, but they've got at least one product that I. <laughs> that I might eat. So we would just go, no, 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 I'm not buying into any of this stuff. Not going to happen. I want a pure play in something that matches my values. Are you with me? I'm with you. Okay, so I might be getting shot down here. I'm, I'm going to continue on, but it's likely, oh, we got, good Lord, they've got under the best and worst nut butters, they've got Skippy. Who, Smuckers has that? No, they've got another, this is another one they listed in the article which oh. might indicate that they're not 100% uh, <laughs> focused on organic stuff. So, okay, that's, that's just give you an idea. So, so you wander players. around on the internet a bit. Yep. You sort of figure out who the players are yep. in this world. Yep. And, you and start... maybe nut butter is such an isolated, small industry, small segment, that maybe it's not something we're going to end up investing in in a publicly traded company. What do you think? I'm thinking it's going to be pretty tough to find a public company that just focused entirely on organic nut butters. 
Um, we might find it, but we're not going to find it in the next couple of minutes. It will probably take us an hour to find that out. So, you know, if you want to know, you just keep digging, right? Like I just told you. And, um, and but let's assume that they're not, that every time somebody gets really, really good at this business, <clears throat> along comes Smuckers and buys them out for a bazillion dollars. And, you know, Mr. Gold can go and park himself on a beach and climb and do whatever he wants the rest of his life. And so that's pretty tempting and that's usually what happens. So we're not gonna find, we, let's say we're not gonna find this nut butter pure play. But now we've, we've defined that we really are uninterested in something that's not organic, not super healthy uh, kind of a deal. What we're really interested in is a nut butter that's also really healthy and organic. So then the question I'd ask you is, okay, you got this just in some place. Where did you buy it? What store did you buy it at? Maybe that would get us where we want to go. Hmm. So I, I see it and I used to buy it at Whole Foods. Okay. Now, Whole Foods is indeed a public company and <clears throat> one of the best pure play, organic, natural food thing that you can do um, in, the, in the world of investing in public stocks. So Justin's has just led us into opening up our canyon a little bit wider. So we went, okay, I'm going to get really into the peanut butter world. Um, that took me an hour or two. And now I've discovered I really can't buy a pure play public natural foods peanut butter company. And now my canyon, which is an inch wide, I, I see the walls of the canyon are touching Whole Foods hmm. because that's where I bought it. So now can I, <clears throat> and am I interested enough in this world that I, I'm spending my money in to be excited about learning about Whole Foods and the grocery business in general? So that would be a little bit bigger step. I'd have to carve the walls of my canyon out a bit so that I'm including not only Whole Foods, but also the companies it competes with would, you know, you'd be looking at Trader Joe's and, and um, other, other companies that are in that space that are private. And you'd be looking at the big public companies, you know, like the Kroger's of the world that are, are and Walmart even, mm -hmm. that are starting to put organic food into their grocery store. And you're gonna have to make a decision about whether you wanna learn about that and really dig in. Yeah, exactly, because a company that's making a food product, like a nut butter, is a completely different kind of company and completely different to understand than a grocery store company. Oh yeah, definitely different. There's almost no relationship to that, to, between each other. Only in the nature of the values that you have. That's yeah. where the relationship is. And that's where I really wanna encourage you to think in terms of, you know, if you're looking into stuff, why not put your money where you you love the product, right? Why not why not vote with your money for something that you want to see in the world in 20 years instead of letting a mutual fund manager or an index fund manager vote for you? You know? Why why see when you give your money to these big guys, you're perpetuating yesterday. That's what they're all voting for is yesterday. Because what does that mean you give your money to a big guy. That means you're giving your money to a mutual fund manager. Oh, I thought you meant like a large grocery store. No, no, not yet. Like your other choice if you're not going to dig into this stuff is you put your money under a mattress, you invest in real estate and hope it comes back. You know, you do, you buy gold. I don't know. And, and But if if you're going to invest in the growth of, of the world economy, then you've got to put your money in stocks. That's That's how you do it. That's the only real true way that you can participate in the world growing into the future. But when you do that, you have a choice of either learning about stuff 
and not being an ignorant investor. Or if you're ignorant, then you must diversify. And the best way to do that is just buy an index, right? And, and so you buy the index and you own, you know, you own all the stocks and you, you, your money will go up and down with the stock market. In the long run, it'll do okay. In the long run, it'll do about 7%. Um, but you've got to have a long run. You've got to have over 20 years ahead of you. In spite of what most of these guys will pitch you as a sales guys, they're going to tell you, oh, the market never has been bad for longer than eight years or something. But they've forgotten about, you know, 1929 to 1955, you would have had a zero rate of return. Or 1965 to 1983, you would have had a zero rate of return by putting your money in an index. So it can be really a long run. And yeah, that's uh, the problem is when you actually want to retire, the market has to be on an upswing and then those couple years where you're ready. Oh, it's, it's even worse than that, Danielle, because if you're, if you're, let's say, within 20 years of retirement right now, let's say you're 45 and you want to retire at 65 and the market goes nowhere for the next 20 years because it's been massively inflated by, you know, government intervention in the interest rate world and by putting QE out there and all that. Um, let's say it just goes nowhere for 20 years, which happens regularly. It happened from 1900 to 1920. It happened from 1929 to 1955. It happened from 1965 to 1983. So we're really overdue, right? And oh, by the way, it happened 10 years from 2000 to 2010. And so um, maybe we're not so overdue. I don't know. I, I don't know what direction the market's going to go. But if it went sideways for 20 years, from 1940, you're 45 years old until you're 65 years old, son of a gun. You just got a zero rate of return and your retirement portfolio isn't going to be what you thought it was going to be. So it isn't just that as you're coming up on retirement, you have to be worried about the market. It, it's really from 45 years on, you have to be worried about the market. And especially today, I don't know what the market's going to do, but I can tell you this, an awful lot of great investors are sitting in cash waiting for it to crash. So who knows? I don't know. But and they don't know, but they're they're not they're not willing to buy in at this at these prices. So um, if you don't put your money, if you're not going to manage it yourself and you put it into an index, then you've got to worry about this long run. But that's not the worst thing you've got to worry about. In my opinion, the worst thing you have to worry about if you're a person of values, if you're somebody that says, hey, look, I really want to see the world be a better place for my kids. And you're going to vote those values by who you vote for politically, by what you buy, by what you how you conduct your life. You know, you try to live as a moral human being, then you're going to have really different point of view about the about what are good companies and what are bad companies from the guys who are running the index. They don't care. They And when I say that they're voting for the past, what I mean is, is they're picking companies based on their past history. And if a company doesn't have much of a past history, it falls into the uncertainty category and that's not going to attract a lot of capital. And so um, what these guys are voting for is companies that have a long history and they're going to keep voting for them if they're doing okay. And that's going to perpetuate the old guard. And that's why you see companies like McDonald's continue, continue, continue in spite of a whole wave of, of change in what people are looking for in terms of fast food. McDonald's continues and continues and continues to go because they continue to get good support in the stock market. So I would love- they all purchase companies based on their past history? Um, yeah, well, man, alive, yeah, mostly when, when, but in all fairness, all of us look at the past history of a company to, de to try to determine what we think the value is going to be. But because the market is predominantly managed, the, the, the money in the market is predominantly managed by people who were taught 
that the prices in the market are the values of the company, then they tend to be uh, just interested in companies that have a long history and are, and are going up. They, they just want to have something that's as safe as possible. So they're going to be voting for all the old guard stuff. It's, it's really hard for them to vote for the new stuff. Is that like what people call blue chip stocks? Yep, it's blue chip, it's the index, it's the S&P 500, it's, you know, the vast majority of, of, uh, of what people invest in tends to be a, a strategy of shadowing the major indexes, which are the old blue chip stocks, basically. So what are you talking about here? Are you saying that maybe as rule one investors who are investing on our own, we should be purchasing companies that are newer to the market, that have less of a history? We should be purchasing companies that match our values. I think that's that's the key thing. And so, what I was getting into was, you know, um, was this idea of sort of Justin's peanut butter, you know, setting a new mark and you wanting natural peanut butter and going to Whole Foods to get it because that matches your value set. I and, see. And now the larger companies that are publicly traded are starting to match these values that are becoming more prevalent. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, if, you, if you look at a Walmart and try to say, oh, well, they've got organic food, so I'm going to buy Walmart, you may not have looked as deeply as you should because Walmart's responsible for some pretty heinous stuff that goes out there in the food world <clears throat> in order to produce prices that are extremely low. Um, so they treat animals with an entirely different um, ethic than, say, John Mackey's Whole Foods would. Like Whole Foods is trying to move animal husbandry to the next level, which is, you know, to allow animals that were growing for food to have a life, to treat them like conscious, uh, you know, sentient things rather than, you know, locks, you know, rock. They're different than rocks. Beings that have feelings. Yeah, beings that have feelings. And, and the human beings that work with the beings that have feelings. So if, you know, you're brutalizing people when you're brutalizing animals too. That right. is such a good point. I think that's a point that is not talked about very much. And I'm so glad that you said that. It's incredibly important that the thousands of people who work with these animals feel good about what they're doing. And I just can't imagine that they do right now. I mean, we've all got to have a job. I totally understand why people are doing it. But overall, the food industry is tough on animals and it's tough on people. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine. You know, I'm I'm expressing my values here, and 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 as you're listening, you don't have to share those values. You might be thinking, you know, what a moron I, you know, who wants yeah, to pay like more for beef? Yeah, like to buy cheap chicken, and that's, that's really important to yeah, your Yeah, it doesn't matter to you that chicken. And I understand boxed that. Boxed up, right? I, I totally get it. I'm, we all make choices. We all have to make choices about where we're putting our money all the time. It's never exactly the way we want it. Absolutely. And, and as far as I can tell, even the gurus who are almost walking on air aren't actually walking on air. And that means they crush little animals when they walk across the grass, you know? Oh, I was like, who are the gurus? You mean sort of <laughs> <laughs> like the enlightened beings that the walk amongst us? The enlightened beings who are, you know, totally, you know, vegan, massively undisruptive right. in the world, but you're still killing things when you walk across the grass. So life and death is you still part of put it. out carbon dioxide. Yeah, exactly. And pouring it out there and, and helping, you know, the trees grow. So, I, you know, I, we're not trying to say what the value should be in this podcast by any means. So don't take but it But at the that same way. time, we are totally going to talk about our own values. Yeah, sure. We, we're, we're, you know, if, you, if it's really a legitimate 
show about what to invest in. We can't exclude our own point of view of the world. But you should learn from our, from our, uh, our process that you include your view of the world in what it is you're doing with your money and vote that money, you guys, because that's the way the world's gonna be in 20 years, is how you vote today are the companies that are gonna have support from investors to determine whether they'll be in 20 years. And do not take the cop out that, you know, I'm just a little investor with $3,000. I'm not gonna affect what people buy in 20 years. Um, that's like saying my vote doesn't count, you know, when I'm voting for uh, the governor of my state because, you know, I'm just one of millions of people. But the fact of the matter is that 85% of the money invested in the stock market is little guy money. It's money just like yours, $3,000 chunks. You know, the biggest investor in the world is the, is the California Teachers Pension Fund. So, I mean, that's just all those teachers. And you know what? They're starting to be, pay more attention to the ethics of what that fund is putting their money into, as they well should. But even better is to vote it yourself. Not everybody has the same point of view. Even all the teachers don't have the same point of view. And so why not learn enough about investing to where if a really good company like Justin's that you really like and you like their ethics and you like what they're doing, or what is it, that shoe I bought you a few years ago, Tom's? Tom's. Yeah, where they're doing cool things, they're getting people's shoes. Um, or, you know, there's another company that's providing glasses for people around the world. And uh, I don't remember yeah, who they were. Parker, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And, you know, just, just be aware that your vote with your money is very important, even if it's only $1,000. It's very, very important that can you do be, that. Can there be a part of that even sort of at the back of your mind in your own self-interest um, that when you invest in something that seems to be the wave of the future, so to speak, or seems to be something that a lot of people are getting interested in, that that can be even a sign of this industry is growing. This is what's coming up in the future, regardless of my values, maybe. Hopefully they're the same, but maybe regardless, you want to go in that direction. I mean, like, look at yoga. Yoga was not an industry 30 years ago. And now it's a massive multi-million dollar industry. Yeah, it's killing me. <laughs> killing me that I was doing yoga 30 years ago. Yeah. And I didn't- And I, probably, you know, you did a little yoga 30 years ago, but it wasn't your entire life and you weren't that into it. But so maybe it wouldn't have been quite, it was, maybe values is the wrong word. I'm sure it was aligned with your values because you were doing some yoga and you're into meditation but you weren't doing it in the sense that like, this is something I'm super involved in and so therefore I'm gonna invest in it. Yeah, so you kind I, of avoided it. Yeah, it was like, you know, what a bunch of nimrods are running these, you know, running yoga. <laughs> okay, that was unfair. But it was like, these were not business people and I, didn't, I just didn't see it. And then of course some business person came along and started cranking it up and you end up with a Lululemon and it's just like off the chart. So you go, um, what are your values and can you, can, you know, so maybe you're not all into yoga, but you don't have anything against it. Exactly. You know, I, I wouldn't vote for things I don't want in you, the world. You don't think it's hurting the world. Right. And just say, oh, wow, I'm seeing this huge trend. And this is a lifelong change. And by the way, we're in some obvious major league changes of values. The paradigm is shifting. And companies like McDonald's are suffering for it, right? McDonald's has a reputation of being like the fast food bad guy. And um, they're really starting to hurt. They offer an apple with your Happy Meal now. Yeah, and people don't care. It's really brutal <laughs> because, because the people who go to McDonald's don't care about the apple and the people who care about the apple aren't gonna walk in the door. 
and don't know that you can get an apple at McDonald's. And they're really fighting what is a major paradigm shift that is being led by companies like Chipotle Mexican Grill um, to go into a natural food space and to care about how the food is raised and so on. McDonald's are the guys that don't care. They're buying it from the feedlot. So when you go to, and, and vote for a Big Mac, you're voting for you know feedlots and all that kind of stuff that you need to know that and determine whether you're gonna put your money into that or not. And when it comes to investing your money, if you put your money in an index, you own McDonald's. So here on one side, you're busy telling all of your friends how you hate you know, feedlots and you wouldn't ever own anything like that in your investing, and yet you do. You absolutely like do. That. Sometimes you just need a filet fish <laughs> And sometimes you do, absolutely. I have to tell you, sometimes it's necessary. And then you have to be a little bit of a hypocrite, but hey. We're human. You know so, what? You know what? We, we got to stop. Real. That's everyone. Everyone has those moments of, oh, this doesn't quite line up. Like maybe one day I will buy that peanut butter cup from the checkout line at Whole Foods, even though I don't want to. I want it badly enough that I'll do it. You know, there's different levels of our uh, our values and our desires and our actions. And, I, and that's why maybe buying McDonald's isn't such a bad play. Well, <laughs> But it depends on. We don't place, do we? We invest. We buy companies. It depends on where you think they're going, and so you know what? We got to stop because this is going to go on and on, and I think what we do is next time let's pick up more on Justin's, because we're getting toward Whole Foods, and then how would we, if we thought, oh yeah, Whole Foods is interesting for sure, how would I widen my canyon walls? on Whole Foods and where, what websites could I go to to really start to understand this better? Let's dive into that next time, okay? I think that would be great um, because jumping from Justin's to a grocery company is a big step. And, big step. And, and di more difficult to understand and for somebody who's never been around the grocery business. Yep, so what would you read about to know you know? Yeah, yeah let's talk about that. Okay, I guess it's time to go. Thanks everybody. Yep, time to go Bye. play, see ya. Thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like us, please subscribe and leave a review for us on iTunes. You can get our notes and links for this podcast and post comments about this show and get more information about how to invest on your own by going to ruleonepodcast.com. Everything we've discussed in this podcast is either Danielle's opinion or my opinion and is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya. <laughs>